Hello, welcome to From the Rookery End. Uh, my name's John. Uh, with me this week is Colin. Hello. Colin's on FaceTime, that's why he sounds a little bit weird. Uh, but don't worry, he isn't weird. Uh, but what was a little <laughs> bit weird, uh, actually, was, was the result at the Emirates. Uh, it's been a few hours since the game. It was 3-0 to Arsenal, but as a result, it didn't really fit the, the feeling I have after that game. Do you think the same, Colin? Absolutely. I mean, the lesson, the lesson to be learned is you've got to take your chances. And that's something, obviously, that people say a lot, particularly when you play clubs that have, you could argue, more quality or, you know, bigger budgets. You, when you get your chances, you have to take them. And, and we, we didn't do that. But if you compare the performance at the last away game, which was at West Ham, and you compare that performance to the one today, it's sort of chalk and cheese because today's performance was much, much better. Firstly, he set up with Richarlison in the middle alongside Dini with Pereira on the left and Firminia on the right as the winger with Yamat behind him. So that was quite interesting straight away because you sort of assumed, oh, Pereira in the middle, Richarlison on the left, Firminia on the right, but he didn't do that. He pushed Pereira out. Well, the, the, the club graphic that came out on Twitter had Pereira in the middle, Firmino at the back. <laughs> that, yeah, and I wrong. thought, oh, that's, yeah, I wasn't quite sure where, where that would be and that sort of makes some sense. I sort of wanted Firmino to be up front and then he did actually play there, so that was, that was okay. And so, yeah, and he was better. excellent. Yeah. He was, he was really excellent. I mean, the cross he put in just before half-time when he was at full sprint, which uh, Richarlison got on the end of, you know, it was quite a good save from Czech, but he was quite a long way out. It's 12, 15 yards out, but it was, you know, he was, he was very good, Kiko. He was very busy. He's, you know, he's a quality player. We're very lucky to have him. But it was interesting that he tried to play Pereira on the left, which is something I know you've talked about, about how that's a happier spot for him, really, than in the middle. But the problem was that Pereira just won't really graft when we haven't got the ball. And I think it's, again, just to do with confidence about his body. So we were rather overrun in midfield because there was Capu and Decore and kind of Pereira also was supposed to be kind of in, in a, not in a three necessarily, but he was supposed to help out with the tackling and he wasn't doing that. And so they overran us. In the first 10 minutes, it, it looked like when they scored, you think, oh, Lord, here we go. We could, we could really get a battering here. But then suddenly we, we started to get in the game and we got the ball forward. And when we got the ball in their half, they gave us so much space. And and we used it quite well, and we created some really good chances. We did. That um, was that was towards the end of the first half. I felt there was sort of that middle patch once they'd had their 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 up and their goal. That it it almost seemed that we were being a little bit over. I don't know. I don't want to over respectful. No, 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 no. I was like over cautious or just sort of like playing within ourselves. I mean, the thing is, Arsenal played within themselves. That was what was strange. They were one 0 up, and then they started to sort of. They were quite languid. They, 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 when they broke, they broke very fast and it was very frightening. But when, they were just, when it was just a passenger play where it's sort of around the centre circle, they were kind of strolling. We were strolling. And, but when we got the ball forward, we, we created... Decore had a very good chance from a cutback. Richarlison's header. Pereira had, had probably had the best chance, which he skied mm. at the far post. When he could have pulled it back to Maps, who was who wasn't offside because he was behind him, and he could have just tapped it in. But you know, we didn't take our chances when when we had the ball. When we when the when we were dominating, we didn't actually make it count. And of course, they would then occasionally get a breakaway. They got their second goal, and they got their third goal like that. And and also, of course, one has to talk about winning a penalty, which is a very difficult thing to do away from home. That, of course, was our best chance to score, and we and we didn't. And when it when it turned up, I know it was it was at two nil at that point. Yeah. Um, but it was. Oh no, actually, we do deserve a goal. We need to, and and almost like that would have been the moment which would have, you know, it's a one goal def- deficit. I think at that point, with still 
uh, Akaka to come on, it really could have absolutely changed that game completely. And I've, I sort of, you know, if we got one, I think we would have got two. Oh, without um, a shadow of a doubt. Because of I mean, where they are. the dynamic of the game. It would have, we would have really seen what Arsenal were made of and whether they really have sort of found a bit of form over the past sort of four or five days. But if we'd got their fact and had gone in that penalty, I would have been really interested to see how they would have reacted. We know how we would react because we would go for the equaliser and he probably would have thrown on, uh, which is what he did eventually, Hughes and Akaka, uh, and we would have had a right go at it. But um, But we didn't. And we didn't take our chances, despite the fact that as a performance, as a team performance, we played really quite well against a, a very good Arsenal performance in patches, but at times they were irresistible. And we, we managed to hold firm defensively. We, we, are, we are so much better than we were a month ago. We held that line really pretty well against some quite intricate, very fast passing, and we didn't concede a second goal in the first half, if you see what I mean. And that was that was very important. And at half time the, the view in the concourse was we're not out of this, we're in this. You know, we can you know, we can get something from this game because we were playing quite well. Everyone was quite positive. Yeah, we definitely on the on the up at the end of the, the second half. What what could you put that down to? I could, I can't put it down to anything in particular apart from them all doing a little bit better. I think it's a growing thing we're seeing uh, amongst the squad, which is down, I presume, to Grazia's growing influence over uh, training, the way that he's setting up, the drills that they're doing. And you can sort of see, again, that they're just starting to really work for each other. And uh, there were some very good performances from Watford players. And I have to say, and I know he's people have got their doubts about him, and I know what I said earlier about him not really digging in and tackling. And you can see that he doesn't want to tackle Pereira. But he was very influential when he was out on the left-hand side, in spurts. And in, and that was also true in the second half, where he would get behind his man, or he would he would go at a player. Um, Holobas was had probably one of, again one of his best games. He was excellent defending and coming forward. And he got yellow he, card, which is always and he got yellow card. nice. To four, that was <laughs> <laughs> to get booked. So uh, yeah, so he got a yellow card, and it was you know it was a, it was a, it was a perfectly acceptable yellow card. It was quite right. But he it, there was a, there was a kind of. After the first ten minutes, you felt the confidence start to come back into the legs and in, in into the into the, the sort of the collective consciousness of the team. You felt that they they started to believe they could get something. And yes, they had to be very concentrated when we were on the back foot because, as I said, Abamyang is lightning fast, and they had a lot of really good intricate passing around our box, looking for that killer pass which would lead to you know to, to to more goals but we held firm and we've they fought very hard in defense to make sure that didn't happen and then we see we seem to go forward as a group and we seem to come back as a group and i think that's something that you have to put down to the coach we we know we attack together and we defend together and we wouldn't have seen uh, that six weeks ago that's for sure no and we wouldn't not. have we seen would have anything yeah well we would have collapsed off <laughs> well it it felt like my 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 current memory of that 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 december january period um, was was if I blocked we, it out, John. I'm well, totally I think, it out now. Yeah. I remember a thing from there. <laughs> well, if we'd gone one behind, that that and yeah, after what was it, eight minutes, that the, the, yeah. another ninety uh, eighty two minutes would have been horrendous and uh, gone from worse to worse to worse. Yeah, and the other things that's changed is that the players aren't sort of pointing the finger at each other and yelling, and, and they don't get frustrated with each other. They get on with it. There was some misplaced passing. There was a few missed tackles, but actually everyone just gets up and they just get on with it. And I think that there's this kind of positive mentality which is coming from the coach because everything that he says when you see him in press conferences or read what he's what he said, he's a very he's a very positive, forward-thinking man. He's not 
saying anything negative about the club, about the players, when it's all positive uh, coming from him. And I think you could sort of see that there was a, a positive mental attitude amongst the team and the players. So if something went wrong or a player made a mistake, there wasn't a lot of harumphing and arms going up in the air. There was just like, come on, off we go and back again and let's work together. And, uh, and, and so there's a lot of encouragement. I mean, you, don't, you can't be Arsenal every time you play them. It's, it's, it's too much to ask for, sadly. But um, it, was, it was a decent performance. And the, and the other person, I think that despite, you could argue maybe that over the third goal, he might have done a bit better. But there were two saves in the first half from yes. Carnessis, which yeah, were, yeah, were yeah. really, really top-class saves. One-on-one with Ozil, one-on-one with Aubameyang, stayed big, used his foot, got his body in the way and kept us at 1-0. And, you know, he's really doing quite well for us. Obviously, he let in three goals today. But I think, again, you you feel like he's a a proper goalkeeper. He he seems to be growing in confidence. And and I think the defence are also growing in confidence, you know, with him. They are growing. The defence are growing. But do you not feel a little bit, though, they're still something missing what is that do you think i don't it's it's interesting i was listening to um five live earlier of course they're talking about arsenal and not talking about watford and no. talking about arsenal they're talking about you know, the, you know defensively that, that is interesting five live picked out an interview clip uh that Deeney had done with uh with them talking about the arsenal defense um not using that spanish word for uh <laughs> that we, we've been going on and on about uh, last uh, this last couple of days on Twitter at least, um, but he sort of was, was critical of them in exactly the same way, um, and that's what they picked up on from you know, something that they'd done with them, and and they were talking about how that Arsenal defence, you know, wasn't like the old Arsenal defence. Well, yeah, it's not going to be like that, uh, no. and, and maybe that's a little bit what it is, a little bit grittier, but they are, like you say, they are more of a unit, and as Mike said last week on the podcast, it's great that we've got the same players week in week out yeah. that's the only way you, you're going to grow uh, uh, a defense that you know and, and grow a unit yeah and I thought Prodl would again each time I see him he seems to have there's another five percent you know uh, in his performance from the previous week so I think he's he has really fought his way back because when he first came back into the team he it was very iffy he was he, he, he seemed to lack confidence he was he wasn't making good uh, decisions well, his positional play, sometimes he was getting pulled out of position and he wasn't getting back in time. But with each game that passes, he seems to be getting that authority back. And he was he was pretty good today. And also, he, he trusted himself on the ball. He brought the ball out a couple of times and Arsenal backed off. So he, he just ran in, ran with the ball into space, found a pass, and uh, he, he was he was quite influential at times. And I, I think that that's, that's very good for us. And it's just great to have Mariapa in the team. I mean, not just because... He's one of our own and he, he was at the club from the age of seven or whatever, isn't he? He had to go away, obviously, in the, in the dark, lean times because the club needed to sell him. And, but he's come back. We all thought he wasn't really going to be that influential or play that many games. But now he seems, you know, he's he's become very influential. and He is a very good defender and he's incredibly brave. You know, he throws himself in front of the ball. He never turns his back. Uh, and I think that's because he's got, you know, he's got Watford in his blood. And I think he, he cares that much. Yeah, there's a great moment when uh, he did actually foul uh, Mkhitaryan. Um, yes. And it, it, was, it should have been a penalty. It wasn't. And he sort of helps him up. And then he sort of pulls him up. And then Mkhitaryan's like, shouting at him, blah, blah. And he gives him this look of whatever, mate. Like, and it was like, that's, that's like, I love a player who has that, I'm not going to yeah. get on with this silly 
overreacting. Just get I want on to with ask it. you a question, actually, because yeah. I, I noticed again in the papers this morning that, or in, in the things that people say about, oh, well, Watford are a very physical side. They're a very physical side. They're going to make it tough for us. Are we a physical side? I think we can be. You know, when you've got Troy and Akaka up front, of course you've got a physical side. Yeah. But that's not all the time. And I, I don't, don't think our midfield is physical, though. No, our they? midfield isn't at all. No. Apart from, you know, Pereira, Pereira isn't. You know, Pereira, Will Hughes... You know, Capu's not really going to, you know, he's got some height on him, but he's not particularly physical about it. No, and he's not crunching in, you know, no. off, off the ground. You know, it's not. So I don't really, I, I guess it is just, is that just because of Dini, really, that, yeah. that, 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 that people think of us and they think, oh, yeah, quite tough, quite physical. They, they I, do, I think but we're that's... quite fluid. I think it, we could do it sometimes of being a bit more physical. I mean, we gave Arsenal an awful lot of space in midfield at times and were backing off and not getting up in their faces, which is what a physical side would do. But then when we've got the ball, we used it well. I mean, we were able to move the ball up the pitch through not just lumping it. We didn't we didn't lump it that much. And actually, Deeney hardly won a header because Mustafi's about a foot taller than him. So it was difficult for Deeney today. He didn't have a brilliant day, I don't think, obviously. And he missed his pen, which was... You see that Richarlison was trying to get the ball off him last night. Good he? luck with that. Yeah, that's never <laughs> going to happen, Ricky. Yeah, he's, no. you're, he's not going to go, oh, yeah, no, you're right. Sorry, Ricky. Yeah, you have it. You'd have a go at it. <laughs> I couldn't see that happening. I think a player like Tom Cleverley as well, um, who, who does that running down... Which yeah. which feels physical because of all the the running out around and terrorising, um, in the same way Brahmi did last year. You know, Brahmi yeah. was definitely yeah. more physical than Tom Cleverley, but but there, there are those elements that we can have in our team, but but not a lot. I just I just do think you put it down to to Dini and to Akaka when he's on the pitch. Yeah, and they have a kind of very one. They have one moment to say something about Watford, so they just think, "Oh, Troy Deeney, physical." That's what they are. Yeah, and that's that's the media. They they don't yeah. watch Watford a lot. There's a great uh, article on uh, Football Three Six Five this week um, about someone who you know uh, had, had taken a bit of time yeah, to no, sort of try and try, try and understand a little about Watford. And if if they if if they did, or actually they had a good reason to, because you know they're, they're part of the media, they're not asked lots of questions about Watford, but when they do get one question, they have to have an answer. They have to spend their time, you know, on all the other big clubs who take up 90% of their of their time as, as football, you know, as football pundits and football reporters. I do think we're not quite as dynamic in the in the midfield no and I know that I know that Kapu has improved and he's put in some reasonable performances over the past few weeks and, and I know that we've talked about him being a, good, a big a big game player and then he sort of goes off the boil but the reality is he's he's not a dynamic midfielder he, he is he is playing better and he is uh, working harder than he has done previously but we are missing Tom Cleverley we are missing uh, Nathaniel Chalabar of course we are because they are more dynamic sorts of players they play the ball quicker and Kapu still takes sometimes too long to make a decision uh, doesn't he didn't get caught on the ball today? But you just think, come on, you've got to make a decision quicker. You've got to be more dynamic. You've got to run into space, and he doesn't do that. That's not his game. But he has been better for us. But we have missed that dynamism, I think. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Colin, we're, we're, we're coming towards the end of the season now. There's always transfers, and I, I've got a question: Who was the first Watford player? you remember leaving and sort of going to a bigger, bigger club? Because for me, it was end, end of my first season as a Watford fan in 1980, uh, 1987 when John Barnes went to Liverpool for £900,000. He, you know, a big transfer, leaving Watford, sort of going up to it. Who was your first one? Same, I think. Um, I can't remember. I started watching 
Watford in around 1968-69 but I don't really have any memory and I may be wrong about this but, but I don't have memory of a player leaving in that in that period to go on uh, to a bigger club and uh, and make a, a big success of their career partly because Watford were at a time where they were kind of going up and down between the third and the fourth division and it wasn't really until Taylor came and we started to climb the divisions and players started to arrive that there was any, I think, any real prospect of us producing a player that would go on to a, you know, a top first division club. So I think John Barnes is, is, is the first. And it was interesting because he was with us, I think, for six seasons, which is quite a lot of seasons, actually, when you consider some of the players we've got now and how long they'll probably be with us. Or even Troy, who was only, I think, in his seventh season, is it? Or his sixth season? Um, it's a, it's so a, Bar- at eighth. Is it his eighth season? Mm. Okay, so he has been here quite a bit longer than John Barnes. But and, and it was interesting, every year there was quite a lot of talk about is this the year that John Barnes is going to go? And everyone knew that Liverpool was sniffing around and then it came to a, a summer and we thought this is the one he's going to go. And apparently Taylor sat it down and said, no, no, you have to give me one more season. It's the right thing for you. And I think his dad got involved and uh, and they decided he would, he would do one more season. Uh, and then he went. And, uh, and it kind of, he left at the time where the club went through a bit of a change anyway because it was very near the end of Taylor's um, tenure. And and I would say, the for me, as a Watford fan, that's what it's always been like. As a Watford fan, you know, we have players, we develop players, we sell them on. Some of them were our own, some of them weren't. And, you know, I, I think back to a few, you know, Paul Furlong going to Chelsea, helped build a stand. Mm. Um, more recent times, Danny Graham sort of going up to, to Swansea. Um, how different that feels to talk about now. Um, yeah. But we, we're going to be in a place, it seems to be, this summer, where we are going to have to say goodbye to a player who is going to go on to bigger and better things. Abdoulaye Decore is being rumoured with moves to Manchester United, Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal. These are the big clubs of British you know, football uh, and you know, him going up a level to, to them. Now, firstly, do you feel it was... Ro- it's, We've got enough out of him. or do you, you, you must still want more from him, surely. I, I don't think this summer is the right time for him to leave. I really don't. You've mentioned some pretty massive uh, clubs. Um, he has expressed, certainly, in his interview with a French magazine, his preference would be to go to Arsenal, which obviously makes me think that he's got a screw loose. <laughs> <laughs> but he said he wants to... He's French and he wants to work with Arsene Wenger. Now, Arsene Wenger may not be there next season. And that may be a factor in his, in his decision... Uh, about whether he goes to Arsenal. But if you if you look at those clubs and you actually look at their midfields, is he going to play alongside Kante at Chelsea? Probably not. Kante is kind of the same type of player as Decore. Is he going to go in and play alongside Matic or replace Matic in, mid, in Manchester United's midfield or just become one of the sort of eight or nine midfielders they have at United who constantly get rotated. So if Jesse Lingard or Herrera or Mata or these sorts of players can't get into the team regularly, then is Abdoulaye Decoré going to get into that team? From my point of view, he is playing well, but he could, he could really do with bedding himself into the Premier League by having another full season of 34, 35 games, hopefully touch wood, no injuries. And then he would be more mature and more ready. He's, what is he, 24 or 25? 24, 25, yeah. So he's not in his peak years yet. He could give us one more season where he would play every game and know that he was a starter. His confidence would improve. His, under, under someone like Grazia, I think he, uh, his technique and his vision and his, the way he reads a game could improve. And then he could go to a top six club as a starter. The danger with 
with and we've seen it we've seen it so many times with uh uh with players in the Premier League people like Steve Sidwell or or Jack Rodwell they go they move to a big club and they simply you never you don't see them for two years and then they suddenly get uh, sort of spat out at the back on loan to West Brom or Stoke or somewhere and they've lost two years of their career and I, I do worry for him that that might happen of course he may go in and get a starting position and and, and uh, be incredibly valuable and you know uh, that may happen but it's not easy to to go to a top six club and establish yourself when you're 24 it's still quite young but particularly as a central midfielder and obviously I'd be sad to lose him I'm sure the Pozzos have got somebody in mind who they will be bringing in of similar quality but um because that that's how they do it isn't it they they know that, he, that their aim is for him to leave the club in some ways they've brought him from ren through granada into our club he's improved massively in the last couple of years partly because he's been playing regularly he's shown what qualities he has and they think good we we spent 12 13 million euros on him we'll sell him for 40 and that and with with add-ons and sell-ons and that's how we'll that's how we. That's our business model. So they want him to move on. It's not that they're going to try and stop him, but uh, and, and as a result, I'm sure they've got somebody in mind to come in and take his place in the squad. But personal, on a personal level, I'll be really sad if he goes this season. One because we won't get to watch him play for Watford, and two because I, I think that if he goes to one of those massive clubs, he may find it he may find it hard to establish himself and I think that would be a real pity. Because there's a thing about a player like him who we view as a young player as Watford fans. We still want to, we sort of still care for them, you know, and make sure they go on to bigger and better things and we still look out for them. You know, what's weird, I suppose, about this situation with Decore and maybe even Richarlison who, you know, as you've described Decore at the moment, he's, you know, Richarlison is definitely a, a good two years maybe behind when he can move on to a top yeah. six and, and, and really you know, make a, a name for himself quickly at one. Is, is, in terms of the Pozzos, it feels like, not that we've, we've, we've you, know, pick, you know, picked them up, chewed them up and spat them out again, but players that we've had over the last few years, we've just literally, they've done their job, we've found their limit, and they've just yeah. sort of moved on. Oh, sometimes that's, you know, within a Udinese and the, and the Pozzo family, but sometimes that's to a championship club where we feel that, you know, they feel and the Pozzos feel that's where they're, that's where they're best, you know, um, Alman Abdi yeah. I still want him around you know Fernando Forestieri you still sort of want him around because they're a part of you know such a big part of that promotion push but you know that they, they sort of found their limit uh, and, yeah. and we've sort of moved on uh, from there so this is this is going to be different and we, I th- it feels like this is what we're going to have to get used to a little bit by these young players that they, they've started the Pozzos over the last couple of windows to buy younger players under the Watford name some of them are still out on loan, but then they are going to hopefully bring them in into their, you know, all the shop windows they've got in the one in Italy shop window and the shop window they've got here in the Premier League. This is the big shop window where these players need to play because they will then go for, for higher, higher prices. Yeah, so I think that's right. I think at the moment they've got the balance. They've got the balance right. I don't think uh, uh, Tom Cleverley, for instance, is going to be sold on in a year's time or two years' time to a bigger club, partly because he's been at was at Manchester United, came on loan, went to Everton, didn't work out there. And he's he's come to us and he clearly wants to stay with us. And actually, there's not much sell-on probably for him because partly his age and partly because he's been seen at a higher level and it hasn't really worked for him. Although I think he's he's got, you know, a lot of qualities which could suit a club that was, you know, higher up the the, the hierarchy of, of European football. But I think he's like to say, I think Pereira is the same. I don't think Pereira is going to be sold back to a major Italian club or anything like that. 
So we've got some players in the squad who, and, and Dini the same, that are going to stay with us now. Prodel probably will not move on. He will probably stay with us for the next, you know, for as long as uh, as he can still play. And then in the middle of that, you've got you've got Hughes, Chalabar, Decore, Richarlison, who are more likely to uh, develop to the level where a larger club will come and say, actually, we will buy your player for 35, 40 million quid. And, that, and those ones will go and they will be, hopefully be replaced by other players of that age and that kind of potential because agents will suddenly start to think, actually, Watford's a really good destination for my 21-year-old winger because they know how to bring players through. They know how to get them to the next level and then they can go to a Manchester United or a Spurs or whatever. And that, that will be very good for us, or, you know, reputationally for Watford, if we can if we can do that and make players better and then sell them on. So that will, we will be attracting certain players under the, you know, under the, the very stable ownership of the pot. So that, that's a good thing. But what we can't have is eight players in the team that are all going to do that uh, because then, you know, you, we go through that thing of constantly um, churning the side and getting a whole new side every sort of 18 months. But at the moment, I think it's it, we've, we've got quite a good balance. As I say, there's four players there that you think, yes, Hughes, yes, Chalabar, if he has two or three good seasons, he might go back up again to a, a big club. Hughes definitely has that potential, I would say. Maybe even for Minia, but certainly Decore and Richarlison are the first two that we're looking at. Although I have to say, I think Richarlison has had... We had a very good start, obviously, and was very eye-catching. But his his performances and also his maturity, something that needs to be developed. And I think he's probably in the best place to do that. Whether his agent thinks that or his family think that or whether his head will be turned if Chelsea come in and say, we want him, we'll give you 20 mil or 25. And he goes to Chelsea and he gets sent out on loan or he plays for the under-23s. I don't know. I personally think that he should definitely stay with us because he'll play first-team football. Well, but, one thing um, about Richarlison is, like you say, that youth thing. And there's, a, there's, a, there's been a point with, like you say, we've got the most out of these players that the Pozzos have brought in and, and moved on. Um, but with him, as a character, as a maturity, you know, there was a, a you know, when he had that great header on uh, against Arsenal, down the corner, Czech got the save. He still got, the, you know, got his hands, he still banged them on the floor. There's got to be a point with some of these players where you have to say, okay, I think we've we've done it. And I think not necessarily your ability, but maturity and attitude will have a limit. And you have to, you know, with these assets that we have, which is what the players are, we have yep. to find a point where we go, you know what, we've got enough out of this asset we need to yeah. move it on quickly, even if they haven't found their, their, their peak and they haven't had the great season that Decore's had. No, I mean, his, his form has gone backwards, but he is 20 and he's moved from Brazil and he's come to, you know, cold Northern Europe and he's played every single minute of every game pretty much until recently. And, you know, it has taken its toll on him psychologically, I think. So hopefully, if he does decide to stay for another season or another two seasons, he'll have a he'll have a nice holiday in the warm, a pre-season with Watford, and then he'll he'll have the experience of uh, of a whole season with our club, and he'll know what to expect, and he'll know what the defenders are going to do. I mean, he's still the most foul player in the Premier League, which is an extraordinary stat, really, for a player at Watford. Um, you would expect it to be, you know, somebody at, at a top four club, but uh, so so I think that maturity is it, it's but he's. Potentially, he he will mature. He seems to have the right attitude. He wants to play. He, he's, his determination and his ambition to score and to play well 
is the thing which leads to that sort of frustration. And he absolutely hates being substituted, the gloves throwing, yeah. the weeping and all that. And I don't really mind that. I quite like that. So like his, that that's his passion, but he needs to mature so that he can use his skills to really hurt defenders rather than becoming sort of a little bit, maybe sometimes occasionally a bit petulant or a bit kind of the shoulders go down and he's like, I'm not getting anything out of these fellas. And, I, you know, that's presumably is why he got taken off by Grats. He thought, you're not being effective at the moment, so I'm going to try and change it so we can be more effective. And it worked pretty well for us against Everton. And West so here's West. my question for you. Yeah, go. What offer would you need for both those boys, Richarlison and Decore, for you to go, it's fine, Thank you very much. So, Decore first. With Decore, I think, um, I, I, despite what I said about wanting him to stay for another season, which I think would be an enormous benefit to him, yeah, I, I do think that he is ready to move, and he clearly has a, an eye on moving. And I would, I would say, somewhere between thirty-five and forty million. I can't remember how much Chelsea paid for drink water, but it was it was over thirty million, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I can't imagine, and I know he's won the league and he's a bit older, but I can't imagine that you would pay less for Decore than you would pay for drink water. So Richarlison. So Richarlison, if he was to go this summer, well, how much? It's would difficult he... to know, isn't it? Come it's on, that's the fun of, a... of the game. It's a gamble. <laughs> don't worry. Though, isn't it? Don't worry. I'm not going to gamble put... because if they get offered twenty-five million, say, yeah, they go well. That's quite a lot of money. We double our money, but if he has a really good season next season and scores fifteen goals and comes on a bit and develops a bit and develops his maturity and his attitude and all of those things and is a year older and grows up a bit and gets used to Europe because wherever he plays in Europe, it's going to get cold. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like it's only England. So um, then I think, oh, if he has a good season, maybe we could get forty for him next summer. That's or do we cut? Or, or what if he has a bad season? Or his, you know, his form. That's what I mean. Come on, Colin. Pick it. How much? Eighteen. No, now. Yeah, no. This how, no, no so, so, what would it be? You got, yeah, you got the possibility. Go, and you could. Oh, we could lose that because you you thrive. Stay, and you could dive. Twenty-five. Twenty-five. You're selling for twenty-five. Okay. Twenty-five. Uh, the fun and games of the transfer window will be happening uh, over the next couple of months. <laughs> uh, and I do actually like the fact that Watford are part of the rumours uh, section yeah. of of uh, the uh, of the the media out there. Well, we've got another game next week against another big club <laughs> one that is yeah. having a better season than Arsenal are we, we talked about the, the you know the change that we'd like to see you know rest for Ricky um starting Will Hughes probably uh pushing mm. Pereira out uh Jason talked about that last week uh and, and it, it feels that like that that's probably what's needed um and you know use Ricky as the his impact player which we've talked about before yeah um but do you think that as a as a team going into that game after this Arsenal game that they will, do you, do you expect a different first half maybe? Or do you think they'll just be that little bit cautious, that one foot in the cautious world um, against a team like Liverpool? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure it's in Javi Grazia's uh, DNA to do that. I don't think he's a, he's, a, he's a bus parker, is he? He could have come to the Emirates today, put five at the back, uh, three in front, you know, and he could have said, right, you break us down. And, and and we are going to resist and, and try and get to 60, 70 minutes at nil all. And that's how we're going to... But he, he doesn't seem to want to do that. He felt we had a good chance in that game. He played pretty much the same team that he played against West Brom and Everton. Um, and, you know, he and actually we were probably more 
attack minded today than we were in those two games. But that's partly because we were one nil down, I guess. But I can't see us going to Liverpool and him making huge changes and saying, right, we're gonna we're gonna put we're gonna have a five four one and we're gonna stop them because I'm just not sure that's really one. I don't think it would necessarily work, and I just don't think that that's that's how he thinks. And I, I've said this before, but I think if you if you set up negatively against the big teams, it's very hard then to transform and play more positively when you play the teams that are nearer you in terms of quality. And I was so going to say, just, it's, it's the games afterwards that you don't yeah. want. You don't want to take a step back just to play Liverpool before you play no. Bournemouth, Burnley, and Huddersfield Town and Crystal no. Palace. So it, 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 it's, it's more important for the the development and the next steps of this squad than it is to you know possibly get a draw or scrape yeah, a win against by against playing Liverpool. really negative style of football. I don't think. No. I also don't think we've got the players to play that way. We haven't got you know a line of. Uh, huge defenders and two enormous, you know, defensive midfielders. We don't really have the players to play that way. Are we're, you know, we're quite. We like to move the ball. We like to get the ball forward. We like to get it wide. And I suspect we'll do that. And I and I don't think that we'll win or get or get a draw. I suspect we'll get beaten. But I think, as you say, for the development of the squad and the development of the style of play, I don't think you can afford to take a huge step back and go. We really need to get a point from this game because actually, the reality is we don't really need to get a point at this stage. So it's it's not sort of backs against the wall. And so we can afford to go and, and not go toe-to-toe with Liverpool because if we do that, it'll be an absolute car crash. But And I'm sure he will be cautious and try to get work again this week on that defensive unit and make it make it uh, more solid and tougher. And he, might, he may go to three at the back uh, and bring Britos into the team and, and play a sort of three, five, whatever, but uh, with, with wing-backs. But um, I suspect that he'll, he'll line us up pretty much as, as we were today. Thank you very much, Colin. Thank you very much, John. Uh, remember, you can follow us on uh, all social medias, at Watford Podcast on Instagram, Facebook uh, and Twitter. And uh, do get involved, do give us your views, uh, anything you think we should change or not, or do more of anything, just get in touch. Uh, and uh, off to Liverpool for a late kickoff on Saturday. Come on, you horns! <laughs>